Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to James chapter 2 and chapter 4. I'm going to be going to uh, both chapters. We're going to begin with chapter 4 first, and then we're going to backtrack a little and head back to James 2 and pick up some things this morning, I think, that will perhaps help us to kind of set the year uh, towards the right tone and to accomplish uh, exactly what God has set forward for us to accomplish. It's good to be back in the pulpit. Uh, it feels like it's been a while since uh, I've been here and been able to preach and, and we've just had a lot of things that have uh, not only the holiday but we've had weather and different things that have interfered with, uh, with services and it just feels good to be back. Now I heard that last week my replacement did a fantastic job. Is that... All right, I just want, I want to check with the crowd and make sure that that's the case. Uh, I can't refer to him maybe as my replacement, as my, uh, my contemporary now, right? Uh, uh, because he's just that good. No, he did a great job. Uh, everything went well last week. The worship team and everybody did a great job. It's nice to know that things are taken care of in your absence. It makes it easy for you to go and enjoy your time away. And uh, I'm proud of our team, our leadership team. They do an awesome, awesome job. There are really uh, many things that God has done for the church this past year. And, and if I was to sit down and begin to name them, we wouldn't have time to go through them all. Uh, they're really too numerous to mention this morning. I really have been amazed, however, at his involvement uh, in our church and in our lives uh, over the past year. And we really shouldn't be amazed by that, but sometimes it is amazing to see God uh, when we look backwards, you know, uh, looking backwards is 2020 vision. You can see perfectly when you look in the rearview mirror, right? And, and see what has happened. And as we look back, we just see all the things that God has done uh, for and through our church over the past year. What He's done for us personally, uh, even myself. I can look back and I think of a lot of things that God has done for us in 2013. And I truly am amazed at His involvement and just how He continues to be that present uh, entity, if you will, in our our lives on a daily basis. He continues to demonstrate his presence uh, with us. And uh, I have a number of things that I am dying to share with you that, that he is doing through us and for us as a church. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that uh, as the weeks unfold here over the next few weeks. Uh, and I was just in a meeting with uh, a selected group of pastors uh, from the district just a few weeks ago and uh, along with our district superintendent and uh, others from the district office and uh, they're going to be asking some big things from our church this year along with a few other churches that have been selected throughout the district and it's just exciting uh, some of the things that and like I said I can't go into details this morning but uh, things that I've been feeling in my heart feeling that God is placing uh, in my heart as a pastor and for this church to do and wondering how in the world they can even be done. Uh, how would the district feel about some of these things unfolding? And then, lo and behold, I get invited to a meeting and they answer all the questions that I have. It's amazing what God is setting the stage for. And you're a part of that. You are a part of that. And it's an exciting place 
uh, to be a privileged place to be, uh, to be in a position where God can use us. Uh, there's other things that I'm going to be sharing in our business meeting as it rolls, uh, uh, comes up here in the near future. And just excited and thrilled about 2014. I believe that it's going to be a year of the amazing and a year of the miraculous. Uh, it's going to be a year where God multiplies and duplicates what He's done already in the years past. And I believe that 2013 has been a year of alignment. It's been a year where we've aligned some things with God's plan and God's vision. We've seen some things come together. But 2014 will be a year of movement. Will you receive that this morning? That 2013 was a year of alignment, but 2014 is going to be a year of movement. We're going to see God move us and, and catapult us forward. And we're going to see things begin to unfold that we've only dreamed about thus far. You know, I think about our Bible studies on Wednesday nights, and even those have been inspired uh, divinely in many ways. The Circle Maker was about us building our faith and about doing doing our part uh, to advance the kingdom of God. And now, as we're reading uh, Not a Fan, and uh, its whole premise is about being, uh, being a follower of Christ. And so God is just putting the pieces in place and moving us forward, and it's just so exciting. A few weeks ago, I was preparing my Wednesday night Bible study and I felt like there were some aspects of it that I needed to share uh, today in my sermon. And um, afterwards, the Bible study was shared. Uh, Wanda came up to me and she said, you need to share that on Sunday morning. And uh, I said, well, actually, I felt like God maybe wanted me to share some of those things on Sunday morning. Then April confirmed that to me as well. And so this morning, I'm going to share a few of those concepts with you as I preach to you about moving toward the miraculous, moving toward the miraculous. There are some of you here today that uh, are in uh, need of a miracle. There are some of you today that are in need of a miracle. You need God to do some things in your life. You need some relationships fixed. You need uh, some, uh, your body healed perhaps. You need some other things done for you. And God is here to do some of those things for you. It is, uh, it is about moving toward God's miracle working power in our lives and seeing those things unfold. For many of you today, 2013 has been a very difficult year. I've, I've talked to you. I've, we've walked with you. And seen the things that you've went through. And 2013 has been difficult for many of you. It's been a faith growing, a faith stretching year. Uh, and now you're more than ready to enter a season of reaping. And so I'm looking forward to 2014 being just that kind of season. So today where the, the miracle you need is large or small. I'm going to give you three practical steps that will move you toward the miracle. Move you toward that miracle. And so help me pray this morning as I preach to you moving toward the miraculous. Father, we thank you, Lord, today for your grace. We thank you that you are here in this place today, God, and that you are giving each of us ears to hear what you are saying. Lord, we just receive that right now, that God, you, you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to his church. Give us mind, a mind to understand, God, what you are wanting us to know. And give us Give us a desire, Lord God, to see the things that you are placing before us that are within our reach and within our grasp as your children. Father, I pray that you bless this message today. Help me to communicate it to this great group of people. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. I'm going to read to you from the New King James Version. But primarily this morning, I'm going to use the Message Bible as my, my text today. So uh, from the King, uh, New King James, it says, Therefore submit to God, 
Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Now let's read it from the Message Bible today. It says this in verse 7. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud, no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master because it's the only way you'll get on your feet. Verse 10, get down on your knees before the master. I believe that step one in moving toward the miraculous is we must learn to kneel down. Kneel down. Kneeling down is an act of submission. It is when we come into the presence of God and we put ourselves in a submissive state to Him and we say, God, I'm humbling myself before You. I'm kneeling before the Master. I recognize Your authority and Your power is what I desperately need and I'm putting myself in a posture of submission so that I can receive from You the things that I need to to advance my life and move toward the miracle that I'm longing for. Verse 7 says, therefore submit to God. In the message it says, so let God work His will in you. Kneeling is the posture of submission. Kneeling speaks of surrender. It speaks of compliance. It speaks of us coming to a place where we say, God, okay, I'm giving up. I'm letting go. I'm surrendering to your will and your plan. Your words spoken over me are the words that I need to hear and the words I need to know. It's not my will and my desires, but God, rather it is your will and your desires. And I know that when I submit to your will and your desire, that that leads me to the things that I long for and I'm seeking. It speaks of compliance. It speaks of a willingness to follow and surrender and submit to God. It speaks of trust and it speaks of respect. In the olden days when they would come before the king, they would always take what? Posture of submission. They would kneel down before the king. Why? Because it showed trust and it showed respect. It showed reverence. It showed honor. And we as His people have to understand that if we're truly going to be in a position of power, we must first understand that we must take a position of submission. True power comes as we kneel before the Lord and we surrender to His perfect plan. We are expected to submit to God's direct authority as His children. And we are also expected to submit to God's established authority. I find it odd that many times what we see in the church is we have a clear understanding of submitting to God's authority. If God tells me to do something, I have to do it. We understand the head of the church. We understand submission to God as the head of the church, but we reject oftentimes the authority that has been transferred to His body. How can we say, yes, I'll submit to the head, but then I reject the authority of the body? Many times in churches, and what we've seen growing in our culture, is this idea that we don't need the church as long as we have a relationship with Jesus. And what I say to you this morning is that they are one and the same. That you can't accept the head 
without also embracing the body. Because if you reject one, you, you reject the other. You need the church. Few of you understand that. You need the church. You're not designed to live on your own. You're not so connected to the Lord that you don't need His body and you don't need the authority that has been granted to His body that you can live your life successfully and fruitfully and be a blessing to other people without the church in your life. You need the church. And so many times it's easy for us to accept the authority, the direct authority of God and at the same time reject the authority of His body when both are established by God Himself. When we do, we put ourselves, when we submit to those authorities, the established authority and God's direct authority, we put ourselves in a posture of submission and we also put ourselves in a posture of humility. Humility. There is nothing more humbling and more, than I would say, even more beneficial to you as a Christian when you don't want to do something that somebody tells you to do And yet you take the posture of submission and humility and you do it anyway. It breaks down pride. It breaks down all of these walls. And what we find is even if you don't necessarily agree, but you do it in the the right attitude and the right spirit that God will bless you anyway. Submission and humility go hand in hand. Without one, you don't have the other. 1 Peter 5 and 5 teaches us this. He says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him for He cares for you. If you look there at verse 6, it says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I'm going to tell you, church, there's nothing better than when you're following the Lord and you find yourselves in difficult times feeling the mighty hand of the Lord resting upon your back. Feeling that peace that passes all understanding. Feeling the presence of an almighty, all-powerful, all-present God working with you, knowing that you are step in step with Him and that He has not left you or abandoned you in difficult times. It says that He may exalt you in due time. Yes, there is a season when we find ourselves struggling or find ourselves uh, maybe not living the life we wish we were living. But in due time, God brings about the reaping season in your life. In due time, if you are faithful in the difficult times, there will come a day when God will bless you and God will bring you out and you will find yourself being exalted in due season. Submission is also an act of dedication and consecration. When I submit myself to God, I dedicate myself to Him And I also consecrate myself to His purpose. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If I submit my finances to the Lord and I dedicate a portion that He asks for to Him, then I consecrate that portion by my act of dedication. What is dedicated and consecrated to the Lord is blessed by the Lord. I'm going to say that to you again. 
when I consecrate and dedicate a portion of my life to the Lord and I give it to Him, whatever I give to Him is what He blesses, it's what He anoints, it's what He puts His hand on, and it's what is multiplied in my life. Whatever I reserve for myself, that's up to me to deal with. But whatever I hand over to Him is where God puts His hand and begins to bless and anoint and multiply those things. That's why it says in verse 8, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. When we draw close to God, He begins to draw close to us. Verse 8 in the message says it this way. It says, Say a quiet yes to God and He'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Quit trying to keep your options open. Amen. We like to keep our options open. Well, God, I don't, you know, I don't know, God. I'll give you this portion of my life, but I really need to kind of keep this portion reserved because I don't know how this... Uh, this is going to unfold in my life. I don't know what work's going to demand of me. I don't know what uh, my hobbies are going to demand of me. I don't know what my family's going to demand of me. And I'm going to keep this portion to myself. God can't bless the portion that you reserve for yourself. He blesses the portions that are given to Him. When God becomes your one and only, you have placed yourself in a position to receive victory. When, when God becomes your one and only, when He becomes central to every aspect of your life, when there is no longer a portion reserved for just me, and I truly give all of that I am to the Lord, then I put myself in a position to receive victory. Dedication and consecration dictate that I give up my options. Did you hear me this morning? I said dedication and consecration dictate that I give up my option. I believe that submission happens in the heart. That it's always a heart issue. A person who is not truly submitted to God's authority will always show it in time. That is why the blessing never immediately follows an act of submission. It requires time in order to be proved. That's why he says in Verse 6 of 1 Peter 5, he says that he may exalt you in due time. There is a space between the act and the blessing. Why? Because it's in that season that I prove what I truly believe in my heart and that's when it shows. It doesn't matter what you say if what you do is contrary to it. Talk is cheap. Your words are given value only when your actions prove them true. So the first step is kneel down. Are you struggling this morning to submit to God and to His authority? I think there's a lot of people that struggle in these areas, not necessarily submitting to God, but submitting to His authority. It's hard to do. You know, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. I'm, I'm probably the worst of all of us. I'm the chiefest of sinners like Paul. I don't want someone telling me what to do. But when we understand that God's authority not only comes directly from His mouth, but also through the mouths of His messengers and through His people that He has ordained to lead His church, then we are freed to really be what all God wants us to be. Are you struggling this morning to submit to God and His authority? Are you trying to make things happen on your own apart from Him? Verse 10 tells us, again, get down on your knees before the Master. It's the only way that you get on your feet. Let's go on and read from James 2 
and verse 14 from the message. It says, Dear friends, do you think that you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come up on an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Spirit of God and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? What a strong word. What a good word. Step one in moving toward the miraculous is to kneel down and step two is to stand up. Standing up is an act of obedience. The power of living for God, listen to me this morning, the power of living for God is not always found in staying in the posture of submission, but it is also found in moving from a posture of submission to a posture of authority and then back again. There's a lot of people that live a life of submission, but they live a life of submission to the point that they never get victory. There comes a point when the word of the Lord is given that you no longer sit, kneel down, waiting for the word of the Lord to come. You stand up and you act in obedience and you do what God asks you to do. Victory comes in both arenas. And as we're stepping toward a miracle in our lives, it must take us moving from one to the other to see it take place. You cannot get stuck remaining in one position. The cycle must be repeated for the miraculous to continue. As I said just a second ago, some have mastered kneeling and live beat down. Others have mastered standing and continue to be beaten by pride. But authority is always purest when it is exchanged and transferred. It is corrupted when it is stationary. And what I mean by that is that we can't remain in this static state. We've got to be moving from submission to authority to faith to submission to authority to faith and letting the cycle repeat over and over in our lives. Don't get stuck in one area because what you'll find is you'll find yourself neutralized and ineffective in living a victorious life. If submission happens in your heart, then your heart is what deals with His will. And either accepts it or rejects it. So submission happens in the heart and obedience happens in the will. It is your actions that express your will. It's not your words that express your will. That's why he says in verse 17, Isn't it obvious? Isn't it clear? That God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. You can talk a good talk, but unless you act in conjunction with what you're saying, it means nothing. I know a lot of people. I've hardly met a church person in my entire ministry career that couldn't talk the talk. Right? I mean, we can all get together and we can talk the talk. But not all of us can walk the walk, right? It doesn't matter what we say. It matters what we do. And what we say should line up with what we do. What we do should line up with what we say. There should be alignment between the two. If there is alignment with your will and His will, then your actions will prove that. Verse 14 says this, Does not merely talking about faith 
indicate that a person really has it? No. The answer is no. Here's an excerpt from the book that we're doing on Wednesday nights from Not a Fan. It says, Not everyone who says, but only he who does. Jesus makes a distinction between fans and followers by contrasting the word says with the word does. We live at a time when we have become increasingly comfortable with separating what we say we believe with how we live. We have convinced ourselves that our beliefs are sincere even if they have no impact on how we live. And it's just not true. It's just not true. If what we say has no impact on how we live, then it doesn't matter how strongly we think we believe it. We truly don't believe it because we don't express it in our actions. So many times as we talk about obedience, we see obedience as a yoke. We see it as this burden to bear. Well, I've got to obey. I've got to do what I'm told. I've got to submit to someone's authority. I've got to listen to what they say. But obedience is not a yoke. It is a key. Obedience is not a yoke. It is a key. It unlocks you to a world of freedom. How so? Because it frees you from the responsibility of making the decision. It frees you from the responsibility of the, 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 uh, the, uh, the consequences. It frees you from the responsibility of all the burden of all of those things. Why? Because I was told to do it and I acted in obedience to what was told me to do. It's not my deal. If we would understand that if we would just simply do what God tells us to do and follow Him and submit to His will, that we would step into this world of freedom that we don't really understand and know, wow, what a burden that would lift off of our lives. It's God's deal, not mine. My life is not mine, it's His. And so when He tells me to do something, if I can do it, and if I can find the, 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 the courage to, to follow Him and trust Him and even step out in faith and obey Him, then I am freed from the responsibility of it and it becomes His burden to bear. He's never let me down yet. And He's never let you down yet. So how are we doing when it comes to walking out God's will? Are you submitting to Him and expressing that through obedience or are you struggling this morning to do what God is telling you to do? Verse 18 in James chapter 2, it says, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, Sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if God, if, as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe, listen to this. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. 
It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham named God's friend. It is not evident that a person is made right with God not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works. And so if the first step is kneel down and the second is stand up, then the third must be stepping out. Stepping out is an act of faith. Submission happens in the heart. Obedience happens in the will. And faith happens in the spirit. James shows us that faith and obedience are intertwined. That they are inseparable. But I will make this distinction for you this morning. That your obedience only demonstrates your faith when you attempt something that you cannot do on your own. I'll say it again. Your obedience only demonstrates faith when you attempt something that you cannot do on your own. Many of us claim to step out in faith, but we step out in faith only using what we ourselves can do and never having to rely on God to fill the gap between my inability, the maximization of my resources, and trusting Him with what He's actually asking me to do. If you give what you can give, then you're not giving in faith. If you do what you can do, you're not doing anything in faith. If you say what only you know can be accomplished by your skills, resources, gifts, and talents, you're not walking in faith. There has to be a gap between who you are and the need for an almighty God to step in on the scene and make something happen. They are intertwined. That is why it happens in the spirit. Your spirit is your interface with God and it requires divine assistance for your faith to work. Submission and obedience happen in the natural but faith works through the spiritual. Stepping out releases the power of Christ in me. It changes potential energy into kinetic energy and creates movement. So what I'm saying to you is the miraculous does not happen short of faith. You can submit and you can obey, but if you don't step out in faith, you remain in the natural and do not release the supernatural into your life. And at the same time, I'm saying to you that faith without submission and obedience remains dead because it leaves you out of the equation and God does not and will not work in this earth apart from you. So it requires it all. Faith is not only doing what you are directly told to do, but going beyond that to accommodate the will of God that you have connected with. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm saying faith takes it a step further. We are good. Some of us are really good about just doing what we're told. But we're only good about doing exactly what we're told. How many of you like an employee at your work if you own a business? that only does what you tell them to do. I cannot stand working with people that only do exactly what I tell them to do. You've got to read between the lines from time to time. You've got to think on your own. You've got to take a little thing called initiative. Amen. You should not have to be told every single thing to do. I get so aggravated with my children over these kinds of things because I'm like, I told you to clean the yard, but I didn't specifically tell you to put the fence back up that had fallen down. But obviously it needs to be done. Well, faith works like that. 
if you only do what God tells you directly to do, and you don't take initiative to capture the essence and the spirit behind what he's really trying to... This is what the problem with the Pharisees was. Do you get this? That they only did what they were told to do and they kept adding things to, 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 the, to, the, to the list. They just did what was written down in Scripture. And Jesus is saying, look, you guys are taking this so literal that you're not capturing the spirit of what I'm truly trying to say. When I say to you, don't do any work on the Sabbath, I'm not saying never do any kind of work on the Sabbath. I'm just saying as a general rule, it needs to be a day of rest. But if somebody needs to be healed, for God's sake, pray for them. Do you catch what I'm saying this morning? Faith is that component that we add to our obedience. And yes, we do what we are told to do. And yes, we walk in the spirit of what God is commanding us to do. But we also take initiative through our faith and see God begin to multiply our efforts because of the initiative that we take. Faith is not only doing what you're directly told to do, but going beyond that to accommodate the will of God that you have connected with. And I'm challenging you this morning to connect with the will of God for your life and find out what God is using you to do and connect with the spirit of that and walk in faith with it and see God multiply everything that you put your hands to. Does God not say that everything that we put our hand to will prosper? Is it not God that says, cast your bread upon the water? And he talks about multiplying. Is it not God that fills the jar of oil and as it's poured by faith, it multiplies and fills other jars? Is that not the God we serve? It is. But it takes initiative. I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. When Elijah was even taken back or taken up and Elisha, took his place. Scripture tells us that God told him to go to Bethel. He told him to go to Jericho and he told him to cross the Jordan. But nowhere will you read in the passage God told him to take the mantle off of his shoulder and to strike the water and perform the miracle that helped him cross the Jordan River. Why? Because he took initiative to use the tool that God had given him to do even greater things than what God had commanded him to do. And Jesus did not he say, did he not say that greater things will you do because I go to the Father and I make intercession for you. God is sitting there saying, if you'll just act in faith, I want to be a partner with you. I want to come alongside you. I don't want to tell you every single thing that you need to do. But when you see something that needs to be done and you have an opportunity that rises up before you, will you not take a step of faith, step out and let me use you And when you do that, see me let my hand upon you and anoint you for that moment to do miraculous things. Amen. Somebody ought to clap. (laughs) Nowhere in the passage will you find that God told him to do that. But it was an act that honored God. And if it's an act that honored God... Will he not come alongside you and help it to be accomplished? He was already submitted. He was already obedient. And as he stepped out in an act of faith, God was already on the scene 
to partner with him to accomplish it. Where are you currently going beyond obedience in order to fulfill the will of God in your life? Are you doing just enough to comply with God's will or are you stepping out in faith in order to fulfill God's will? I'm going to ask Jennifer to come back to the piano this morning and begin to play softly. And I just would ask you a few questions this morning as I bring this to a close. I believe there's probably people in this church this morning that need a miracle in their life and you need one today. If that's you, then God's here to do a miracle for you, but it's going to require you to step out in faith. It always does. It always does. Do you want the miraculous to be a normal part of your Christian experience? Because I believe that it was meant to be. I don't believe that it's something that should be abnormal. I don't think it's something that should be... uh, something that we see on a rare occasions, but it should be a natural, normal part of the Christian experience. The steps toward that miraculous in our lives are to kneel down, to stand up, and to step out. Dedication and consecration always precede, precede the miraculous. And so what is the dedicated portion that you have given to the Lord this morning that He can multiply? What is that dedicated portion that you've given to God this morning that He can anoint? What is that portion that He can touch somebody else's life with? Don't hold anything back from Him today. Don't play the field. Don't keep your options open. Submit your life to Him and give it over to the Lord. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burt Burnett, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself face down on your shore. You say come to me.